Hello, bonjour, and tanse. I'm Paula Simons, and this is Alberta Unbound, Episode 3, the one I've decided to call Alien Nation. I'm an independent senator from Edmonton, Alberta, and this podcast grew out of a live panel discussion I hosted at the ATB Financial Arts Barns in Edmonton on March 5th, 2020. If you can cast your mind back to those pre-pandemic days, we were at a moment in Alberta where there was a lot of talk about separatism, about Wexit, where we'd just gone through the national embarrassment of having a local oil field services company distribute a decal that appeared to depict the sexual assault of noted young environmental activist Greta Thunberg. And it was against that backdrop that I invited five thoughtful Albertans to share their ideas about Alberta identity, Alberta stereotypes, and Alberta's national reputation. My onstage guests were Dr. Jared Wesley, a professor of political science from the University of Alberta, Shannon Stubbs, the conservative MP for the riding of Lakeland, northeast of Edmonton, Dr. Diana Steinauer, the president of Yellowhead Tribal College and an elder with the Saddle Lake Cree Nation, acclaimed journalist and documentary maker Omar Mawalam, and author and former Alberta cabinet minister Doug Griffiths. I hope you've already had the chance to listen to the first two episodes in our series because they'll give you the context for this part of our conversation. But in case this is your first chance to listen to Alberta Unbound, let me give you the setup. Conservative MP Shannon Stubbs had just been talking about how frustrating she sometimes finds it when people in Ottawa have a stereotypical idea about Albertans. I picked up that thread and put my next question to Omar Mawalam. You know, I was listening to Shannon, and I, I have this real sense of empathy with what you were saying, because when I've been in Ottawa, sometimes it's very frustrating that people have these stereotypical ideas about Alberta, and I, I feel very defensive, like I have to, you know, promote, like, you know, I have to boost the province, I have to promote the province, like, yeah. Alberta is not like that. Yeah. And then I wake up and I look at Twitter, and I see that an oil field service company has made a decal that is appalling, that shows, you know, what is clearly meant to signify the sexual assault of Greta Thunberg. And I think, right, now I have to go back to Ottawa and explain again. So I wanted to ask Omar about that. I mean, you've done a lot of really important journalism looking at the culture of work camps and the culture of the oil fields. And I want to ask if you think that work camp culture, that oil patch culture, what is its what is its influence on the larger Alberta cultural conversation? <laughs> you have one As, <laughs> You know, the, the, when, I, when I saw that decal, um, child rape, I think, is, it's, it's worth using the term child rape, yeah. uh, which is what was depicted in that. I thought, um, I doubt that most of the... Uh, People, most of the men working in in oil camps, would uh, would approve of that. Of would like not. that. Would find that funny, um, because most of them most of them are parents. Uh-huh. Most of them are family people, and um, and at their core, they're they're decent people. That stereotype of the you know the the young reckless oil worker with more money than he knows what's you know than knows what to do with. There was some truth to it for a while um, during you know the early years of the last boom, um, but the, you know a lot of those guys grew up. They got married. Some of them got married again, um, 
And, uh, you know, they're, they're in their late 30s, 40s. Some of them are in their early 50s. And what they really want more than anything is uh, stability. Um, and I think they also want to be maybe appreciated for what they believe that they've um, given to their families, their communities, their province, and this country. Now, sometimes I think that they um, maybe don't have a always the most realistic view of uh, what it means to be, you know, part of a uh, codependent society. Um, you know, there's I, I so the, just some some context. The, the documentary and the and the writing that Paula uh, referenced before. The documentary is called Digging in the Dirt. And it's a documentary about mental health and uh, and suicide, men's mental health and suicide in the in the oil sands, and um, you know a lot of there, there's a feeling a very a very real feeling of alienation and loneliness up there, and uh, a feeling that they've been taken for granted, that they are just kind of part of a machine, um, that they they work work work, and um, you know when their marriages fall apart or when they sort of become disconnected from their communities. Um, you know, a very severe um, feeling of despair sets in. And uh, that's, that's, you know, what I was trying to tackle or what we were trying to tackle in the movie and, and um, in my research. So I think what sometimes gets lost, and not always, because a, a lot of the guys who, have, who we've interviewed who have sort of like been through you know they've they've gone through it and they've come out the other end they realize now that um you know there were maybe expectations of them uh domestically that they didn't quite live up to but they're starting to become more aware of the fact that there is a culture in those work camps that um values and rewards aggression mm-hmm. um uh individualism um toughness, not asking for help, never showing that you're weak, um, and, and you know, hyper-masculinity. And a lot of the guys that we, that we talked to and that I've interviewed um, realize now that that is actually core to their illness, core to a lot of the problems in their lives. But a lot of uh, people don't realize that. They think it's, uh, they think it's money. They think it's a stable job. They think that it is uh, something that uh, that a pipeline can give them. And so, you know, there's, I think, a little bit of a disconnect between um, why, you know, why, why they feel this alienation. I mean, you want to talk about Western alienation? This is this is Western alienation. The the feeling in these in these oil camps that uh, they're really just a cog in a wheel. That's the most alienating you know, uh, sentiment that I've ever experienced. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think that story of what an Albertan is, how, what our values are, that kind of like toughness, that grit, that, that grit, that gruff pride that I, that when I have it, I'm proud to have, but I also know that that gruff pride is also what can really hurt us sometimes. Um, that is something that is so prevalent there that, uh, I just I don't know if uh, I don't know if it can if it can be overcome anytime soon. Now, Doug, you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, I'm. <clears throat> I I tell a lot of um, 
that communities that I work with that they really need to analyze the lies they tell themselves. And I think the everyone does it and every society does it and every community does it <laughs> and Alberta does it too. I mean we we have this that that iconic picture of what it means to be an Albertan. And so we tell ourselves these stories like we are independent, except we're a landlocked province and we rely on, <laughs> on everybody else. We tell ourselves we're good fiscal managers. We've just dug oil out of the ground and, and we haven't taxed ourselves to pay for the services we demand. That's not good management, that's poor management. We tell ourselves all sorts of things that say we're these fighting tough people, but, but we make some pretty silly decisions and I still think the smartest political words that Alberta needs to revisit again were from Jim Prentice when he said, it's time we had a look in the mirror. Yeah, we all got mad at him when he said that. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, excuse me, we have to look in the mirror, Mr. Prentice? Uh, 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 Shannon, Shannon is... He might be right about that. Sh yeah. Sh Shannon wants in, and then, and then I have to come back to Jerry because it's been a while since he's had a chance. Yeah, for Jerry. He probably knows all the things, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us the um, things you know. Yes, he knows all the actual things. So, uh, Omar, I think some of the things that you said, um, and I'm not going to speak on their behalf because it would be wrong to do that, but... I think a lot of what you're talking about is actually like a cultural and social issue for men. Yeah. Period. Absolutely it is. Um, but, now, I but, might feel quite strongly that they get a pretty rough go on that, actually, and um, that there should be a few more people standing up for the stereotypical men that are wrestling with these things and these pressures and this thing in their life. Um, and I, I guess as a person who lives next door to has family members represents um the very people who work in those camps and live in these farms and in these rural communities i remember now where i started shaking my head <laughs> when when doug was making comments because and i'm going to try to do this without being getting really heavy into current policy <laughs> issues but it, it's not just that they feel that they're being alienated or attacked and it isn't just happening it is a direct consequence of policy. And they are losing their livelihoods and their savings and their families and their businesses. And it's not a feeling that they've contributed to their communities and their province and their country. They have. You can see that in the fiscal distribution across the country and where the vast majority of the revenues come from, from the income taxes they get shared across Canada. That That's all true. And um, it happens. It's, it's got the happy coincidence of being factual, um, but, but it is also exactly as you, both of you are articulating, precisely what they feel. But they're, you know, I guess, um, I don't view it, and, and I think also, again, as a lifelong, like Albertan and a person who worked in policy development, the oil sense business in the Department of Energy, right before institute development um, took off. I mean, Alberta is not a story of digging oil that flew out of the ground and was immediately competitive with other oil producing jurisdictions. That's not just, that's just not true. It took 30 years of combined effort between multiple levels of government, academics, inventors, private sector, proponents to develop um, the reserve that makes that, of, of which more than 90% is what makes Canada have the top three oil reserves in the world. Um, and so these are some stereotypes even here about ourselves that is not, they're not accurate, right? And so, um, I guess I just want to stand up for my friends and my neighbors and the people I represent and my family members and say, the rural Albertans who I know are cultur culturally diverse. 
They're innovators. They're actually on the front lines of transitioning in their jobs and their business in oil and gas and in egg. Um, we were, you know, we were talking earlier about what's happening in terms of uh, going into rooms and we in politics and in your work and and there aren't a ton of young people. So before this started, we were talking about how this is a challenge that's plaguing. You guys all look fantastic. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> thank you. I said this is an exceptional <laughs> room. Yes, exactly. But that's what we talked about actually. And um, so we got into a conversation before we started about how this is an issue that's plaguing charitable groups and volunteer organizations. You know, as as younger people tend to volunteer for a single thing, and lifelong sustaining members of or charitable organizations and other other things are, are you know that's yeah. coming to an end. But in rural Alberta like the people who I represent and live in, they are all those things. They are inventors, they're progressive, they're changing, they're leading change, leading transition, they're forward thinking. They're also, by the way, like diverse and cultural and artistic too. Yeah, because I think that's, you know, I mean, this is a room full of, you know, urbanites um, yeah. who are in a theater space. So, yeah. so, you know, I mean, you're all Albertans, so... Here we are. I, so, totally. So, so here, here's the conundrum, though. I'm old. I think I'm older than any of the rest of you on this panel. I remember the National that. Energy Program. I, you know, Western alienation is not a new concept. I don't actually remember the United Farmers of Alberta and, and the government of William Eberhardt, the social credit. <laughs> but, but I've read about them. I mean, Albertans have been feeling angry and alienated for a long time. What frightens me about this latest iteration is how racist some of it is, how homophobic, for like some insane reason some of it is, like, like, like that's an external to Alberta question. Um, so, you know, the racism, the nativism, the sort of blood and soil nationalism of some of this rhetoric, which may be leaching over from from south of the border, which mm -hmm. may be what people, the, you know, the language, the narrative that people are picking up from, from social media. I don't know if there's a way to find a sense of Alberta identity that includes everybody that doesn't get bogged down in that ugliness. And Jared, we have not heard from you for a minute here. So I realize I've not actually <laughs> asked a question. I have just, you know, so, so okay, this is, this is your jump in for the last... <laughs> Yeah, so um, first, when we talk about Western alienation as a cultural concept, we all seem to know what it is. I, I would say that, um, you know, white men working in oil camps are not the most alienated people in Western Canada. I've talked to many Indigenous women who would put that um, put that notion to shame. Yeah. So I think we need to think, again, the, the disjunction between culture and reality is worth reflecting on. Um, this, and I'll be talking at great length on this on March 17th over at... <laughs> the um, Riverbend Public Library. So I'll just give you the snapshot of this. This is not your grandfather's and grandmother's Western alienation. And there's a key difference. This builds on what you were talking about, uh, Doug. Um, there was a sense in previous generations that Alberta was being held back somehow, right? That we were being uh, oppressed. But there was always a sense that we were far ahead of everybody else, right? This latest round of Western alienation has a different feel to it. It was not just that we're being held back, but we feel like we're, we're being left behind or that we're falling behind everybody else. And there are some indicators of that. I mean, look at economic growth. Quebec's on pace to outpace us, which riles some folks up <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> in that particular. Yeah, that was the highest insult. Right? <laughs> <He said> that. <laughs> um, but this cuts back to Alberta's 
conservative political culture. We found ample evidence of that Alberta's political culture is conservative. And embedded in that is a zero-sum attitude. Zero-sum games, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, just means if somebody else, if somebody wins, somebody loses. So if we see somebody else getting ahead, that must mean what? We're falling behind. And the fabulous book that you're writing, you should come to, oh, I'm just pumping events now, April 9th at the <laughs> University of Alberta, <laughs> Kathy Kramer, who's won awards for her studies of, of, of this politics of the Rust Belt in Wisconsin, found this, that when uh, white males and people who are in family units with white males saw Barack Obama as president, they felt a sense that they were falling behind. Not that they were. Objectively, we can look at their pocketbooks, we can look at, look at the representation of white men, white women, and Congress far outpaces black men and black women, okay? We know that objectively. But there was a sense that they were falling behind. When they saw Hillary Clinton, there was a sense that they were falling behind. Done research here in Alberta that shows, particularly in rural parts of the province, southern parts of the province, seeing Rachel Notley brought up some of those feelings among, among, uh, among certain people. So there's an edge to this. You talk about the racial edge. It comes from that zero-sum mentality that's embedded in conservative political cultures where if somebody else that doesn't look like me is getting ahead, it must mean that I'm falling behind. Even if, even if you're not. It's not. It, folks, we can talk all about, and I appreciate the, the and I'm, but I'm not picking on you here. I appreciate the lovely facts that are absolutely true about the great things that are here in Alberta. That's not part of the story we tell ourselves. We should just call this, this panel the story, this, the stories we tell ourselves. But I'm a student of political culture. The stories we tell ourselves are far more powerful than our own individual personal opinions. The stories that we tell ourselves actually hamper us or hold us back from making our opinions felt. I heard a passionate plea from several of you up here saying we need to start telling a different story. Good. It's hard to start telling a different story yeah. because it's not going to fit into the existing narrative. That's politics. Um, so, I'll leave it on a good note, though. Um, what surprised us from all of these, these drawings and the stories we heard about people, um, what the average quintessential Albertan was, I was expecting to see the Marlboro Man. 50, 60, 70-year-old men. And we saw a few. We actually saw some people draw dead people, like people that had passed away, right? <laughs> Which was a little weird. The average, the average age of the quintessential Albertan was in his 30s. And what we saw from that was that there was no social conservatism. They did not go to church on Sundays, for, for example. They did not have a knee-jerk reaction against um, people who have substance dependencies, right? The way that Joe Sr. might have. And I'll close on this. And it comes from what you talked about, Omar. The fact that conservatives, conservative minds, are bent towards um, having to have personal experience to empathize with someone. So look at the opioid crisis in, in rural parts of the province. There's an empathy there. Why? Because everybody knows somebody. You said that there would be a knee-jerk reaction against the Greta Thunberg um, decal. Well, you said it yourself. It's because, well, I have a daughter or I have a wife that we know from research that that's the conservative mind. You have to know somebody, oh. right? Um, I can't resist this as a closing comment, too. I mean, you talk about hyper-masculinity, and it's part of Alberta's political culture more generally. It becomes toxic masculinity when good men don't say something about it. So you said, I'm, I'm sure on an individual level, individual men would find that decal offensive. But the fact that they don't say anything about it turns it into locker room talk. Well, 
And that's, and that's part of our culture. I think we have to recognize that, and more of us need to speak out against it. I don't know if they didn't say anything. I mean, that decal was not uh, going around very long before a lot of people were saying things about it. But, but I, I do understand what you mean by, uh, you know, when it becomes toxic. Because, um, you know, the, the culture of, uh, you know, the, hey, you don't, you don't feel good today, well, you know, suck it up. Uh, don't say anything. Keep it quiet. That's that, that is the same sort of toxic masculinity. Um, but in this particular example, I don't know um, if they were necessarily silent about it. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I don't know how long that decal was going around for be, before uh, the overwhelming voices that condemned it came through. But we've got bumper stickers, people holding up posters saying that Trudeau's a traitor and they want to hang him. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's toxic masculinity. Sure. That's the tribalism in our politics now that it's turned our previously adversaries, people who we believed in the ultimate objectives of our democracy, we believed ultimately we could have a beer with them into our enemies where we need to vanquish them and defeat them. Yeah, right? This is should, part of the toxic masculinity. That's you part you of should culture. look at my inbox. Thank you so much for listening to Alien Nation, episode three of this five-part podcast, Alberta Unbound. Thank you to panelists Omar Mawalam, Shannon Stubbs, Diana Steinhauer, Doug Griffiths, and Jared Wesley. And thanks, too, to the wonderful audience who joined us at Old Strathcona's Arts Barns, where we recorded this conversation on March 5th, 2020. If you missed the first two episodes, I hope you'll be inspired to listen to them. And I hope you'll stay with us for our next two episodes, too. The Alberta Unbound podcast was edited and produced by Ame Charnalia. And the Alberta Unbound live event was directed and produced by Cynthia Wagner, with support from the amazing team at Fringe Theatre Adventures. I'm Senator Paula Simons. Thank you. Merci and hi-hi. Hi.